Hello, everyone. You're listening to Turn On The AC. I'm Alex. And I'm Anna. And we are so excited to introduce today's guest, Mr. Jordan Hawkins, the R&B rock star of our generation. Following the spirit of some of the greats, Prince Jimi Hendrix and John Mayer, Jordan comes to us from Greensboro, North Carolina, and is now based out of sunny Los Angeles. He's constantly evolving along his own journey, and he's conveying his emotional vulnerability through the powerful and silky smooth tone of his voice, as well as his insane guitar playing skills. And he recently (laughs) released his debut EP titled Heart Won't Stop in October of 2021, which includes a dreamy track in collaboration with the hip hop duo Earth Gang, who we are big fans of as well. It's titled Honey, and we're going to hear a little clip now. Tell us about your debut EP. What was the process like? How has it gone? So my debut EP entitled Heart Won't Stop. It's my first full body of work that I've had the chance to put out in collaboration with this indie label out of Atlanta called Since the 80s. And it was put out over the period of quarantine, which obviously wasn't initially inspected. But I feel like that really gave me more time than I probably needed to really sit with the project take it through a couple of iterations, rework records to finally land on what we put out. I feel like Car Won't Stop tells a story kind of from a, a bird's eye view, kind of like an overarching view of this love story that starts in college and, and continues after graduation. But I call it a bird's eye view because it, it's kind of a broader view of the story that, you know, we're going to make a lot more specific really soon with additional music. A love story. Okay. A little teaser. I think we met in college. So that, that journey sounds. Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. She doesn't debrief me on some of these things. I did not know that. I met Jordan through so far sounds. He's so far sounds LA fave for sure. Are you still doing shows? Yeah, I think I, the last time I did a show was last year. I've been trying to get, get some more on the board this year. I was remembering a show you did on Valentine's Day. I don't know when, like maybe three, four years ago that I emceed. And obviously love was in the air or desperation or something. But you were every <laughs> every girl in the crowd had like a huge crush on you after you performed. Very iconic show in the eyes of many. But I, I think... <laughs> Was it a shirtless performance? Sorry. We've noticed that, you know, you do tend to sometimes croon with the guitar with a shirt off. So 
Yeah, you know, that was very much specific to the the heart one would stop EP release performance just because, you know, it was so hot in there, I couldn't help but take my shirt off. Um, <laughs> even, even though, you know, I was encouraged by the crowd, but no, I wasn't shirtless for that one. I, it, it was fully clothed. It was fully clothed. There, there was nothing else to, to, to distract from just voice and guitar and all, all that good stuff. But I think I remember you playing Thankful, right? Which is on a track that's on your Stop, yeah. new EP. Yeah. So you've had that song out for a while. That's one of your older ones. Yeah, it's one of my older songs. And so I feel like that's kind of what happened, you know, with Quarantine is I feel like Thankful was kind of dropped as the first single for my EP. And then, you know, we had planned to work on the EP and, you know, get it out sometime in 2020. But what had essentially ended up happening was with quarantine, like no one really knew like what was going on with the industry. Like, should we drop it? Especially because, you know, I'm a new artist, you know, that was breaking. So it's like, we can't put this kid on the road. You can't tour. It's like, how do you work a project, you know, from a new artist? And at that time, like my team, you know, when we talked about Earth Gang, Earth Gang, I feel like was super smart in kind of obviously like with Spillers Village with Jed just doing a whole bunch of touring. And so like that was a strategy that they really knew well in terms of how to expose an artist to people outside of the internet. And I also think that people understand me a lot more when they see me live as opposed to like just hear my music. I feel like that's where my real fan conversion comes in. A lot of this project I had before signing, which is interesting, but I didn't have the Earth Gang feature, which was... And who approached who first? Like, did you approach Earth Gang first with a collaboration or do you know, did they kind of get like inklings of like you as an artist and then we're like, oh, like, you know, we love what he's doing. Let's collaborate together and make that sort of production. Uh, Essentially what happened is when I signed with Since the 80s, we basically had the same management at that point. Got it. So Barry uh, and Zeke had managed Earth Gang like from the inception of their career. So I, I sent Barry Honey like, you know, pretty early on. And I, I, I had that feature locked in before like the whole COVID mess hit like in March. So I think it was around like Grammy week when they were in town, like I got up with Olu and went to the studio and, you know, he heard the track and he just went insane. Oh, that's awesome. We like talk about, you know, how artists can collaborate together and how sometimes it comes from being like from the same community, whether it's on the same label or maybe just like you kind of jammed out when you were in your early midst of your musical career. Yeah, well, it's interesting also what you're saying about how your music translates really well in live performance. And then that had to kind of be put on pause, obviously, for COVID, which is right when you were like in your come up moment. But I noticed you did a lot of like virtual performances and recordings and all that, which I feel like definitely sets you apart as an artist, because in addition to making music that you were, you know, ramping up for your EP, you were also still performing, which is cool, because I feel like a lot of artists went kind of silent during that period. Yeah. Did you enjoy doing all the kind of like virtual performing and videos? I'll be honest with you, like... At first, I honestly kind of hated it. Mm. I was just like, wow, I'm really in the house when I should be outside, like doing this. Like, I really don't 
feel like doing this because at first it was it, it felt really hard for me to be able to connect with people virtually. But then I think as time went on, I started to have fun with it. You know, we kind of built out a whole set, you know, in the crib. We got some plants, some vintage furniture. You know, we had a record wall. And, you know, we started doing cover songs and using that for our performances. And I think also the other thing is at, when I was first doing it, most of the performance is pretty much completely alone because we were on pretty strict quarantine. So like my band members are also like my primary producers. So I wasn't able to like really collaborate with them outside of online. But I feel like once I at least got them back in the room with me and we could, you know, perform together and kind of have that full band experience again to some degree, I think I really started enjoying it a lot more. I started having a lot more fun with it. Yeah, like building that, you know, comfort space, you know, that feels home. Exactly. Exactly. And it's interesting because you said your stage presence is super important to you. And obviously, you're a stylish musician, we can definitely tell. And I wonder if, you know, an element of also missing that is, you know, because when you're performing, you have a whole presence, it's like your persona. So would you say the person you project yourself on stage exactly, you know, who you stay true to with like friends and family, or is that too deep? <laughs> I think like, I think like the way I, I would talk on the stage is pretty much the way I would talk to anybody else, except just probably a little bit more excitable in terms mm. of, you know, trying to create different moments to engage. So people kind of engage with you outside of just, you know, seeing like trying to crack jokes and stuff like that. I feel like I'm kind of just, completely out there on the stage like nothing held back I feel like sometimes as a person I can be a bit more reserved or like a bit more quiet kind of just more chill generally like if I'm in a room most likely I, I can conversate with people but I'll probably just be like chilling you know doing your thing not necessarily like doing too much or like talking to anybody just you know enjoying I enjoy like people watching it people watching and I feel like a lot of the times I'm like enjoy listening more than talking but I don't know, other people might, maybe I'm tripping on that. Maybe people think that's <laughs> No, no. I, I enjoy mean. people watching too, but not in like a judgmental way, more just, you know. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Observe, like observant. It's just like. I miss that. Just like being out and about and just yeah. watching people and looking at people. Like I was in Venice last weekend. There were so many outfits that I was just like, oh, oh, inspiration. inspiration. <laughs> With everyone walking by and like we didn't get that for so long when we were in quarantine it's cool to knowing that your musical influences two big ones are prince and Jimi hendrix because i feel like your style also kind of emulates their fashion legacy sort of like rock and roll loud funky. fluid i love it yeah yeah most definitely like definitely fluid like I don't know I don't even know I, this is like a I'm rocking like a cheer jacket right now that I'm <laughs> but, yeah. like, but it's hard though so I'm like ah. I feel like they were they were just so so iconic for a variety of reasons obviously amazing music but I think they were just themselves and yeah. uh, that's something that I try to model myself like just be myself if I find it cool then maybe someone else will find it cool and if they don't that's okay but I feel like that's what rock and roll is about. You know, it's just kind of breaking the standards because it's like, I'm not conforming with the norms of what everyone else is doing. It's just staying true to me. But we did a little, you know, 
our Nardwar research where we saw that you kind of got a lot of musical influence through childhood, through like church and gospel. Yeah. And it's just interesting to see that kind of shift from like your early childhood to like now kind of being more like rock and roll. Right. But do you still kind of carry that gospel church influence into your current music or do you like feel that kind of soulful connection at times when you're playing? I feel like I, I kind of like oscillate between two parts of my voice, like my more falsetto part and then kind of my more full voice. And I think where the gospel and kind of the church really shows through is more so in that full voice quality, because like you can't take the soul out of that at all. Because I, you know, I would be in church every every Sunday and my, my grandma actually like forced me to be in the choir. She sang in the choir. I didn't want to sing. I was like, oh, I'm too cool to be like singing in the choir, but you know, it ended up being like one of my biggest gifts. So I would say it's definitely still there. It definitely still influences. Obviously it came through on songs like Thankful. I think that's like the most transparent thing, but I feel like as I release more music this year, you'll definitely hear kind of more bites of it. And even if not necessarily in, you know, subject matter, but I think with these next projects I'm dropping, I really try to like push more vocally and, you know, do more things with my yeah. voice. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of big R&B artists, I've realized, have roots in church choir and gospel. Like, I believe Daniel Caesar is one of them. I think his dad was a pastor or something and has gospel singers in his family. I don't know if you've been compared to Daniel Caesar vocally, but I I see it. Um, I I appreciate that comparison. I'm I'm a Daniel Caesar fan, most definitely. You also are an amazing guitar player, and we are curious to know when that all began. Was guitar in your family or did you just pick that up on your own? Guitar wasn't in my family. Basically what happened is I was going to this school, right? And I feel like this is still when music education was kind of like super prominent in certain schools. I feel like they've kind of reduced it now, which is super unfortunate. But, you know, they had different classes. So one of the classes was like a classical guitar class. So basically the school had all the guitars. We didn't have to go out and buy a guitar and we bought a book and the teacher would teach us. And so me and my friend are like, okay, let's jump in this class and play guitar. And so I feel like me and him just got like super competitive and we just kind of said like, cause we like really got into it. Like we wanted to be like, okay, who can learn like this Metallica song the fastest, you know, we, we just really got into it. And then, you know, also like, playing in church as well. Then I started writing songs on guitar. My first instrument was actually piano. And then I started writing on guitar primarily. And then from there, I just never put it down. I was pretty much learning off YouTube. And then my grandfather, he got me my first electric guitar and he got me some lessons as well. But I feel like the lessons kind of just got expensive. So I remember I was in maybe like lessons for three, four months. I feel like it was a great time. I love the teacher. His name was Brad. And he put me in this guitar competition. Uh, oh, wait, this is actually a crazy story, actually. Let me roll this all the way back. So before I, now now I remember. Yes. So let me roll this all the way. So I, before my grandfather brought me the electric guitar, my mom had tried to get me lessons at this other place, but it didn't really work out because the teacher would like keep canceling on me or like, Oh. He, he he didn't really seem like that interested in me as, as like a guitar player. So like coming full circle, 
I'm with this other teacher. I'm like learning stuff on YouTube. And I like had made this rendition of Amazing Grace, which is a, a, a gospel song for this competition that, you know, my teacher had thrown me in. So he puts me in this competition and, you know, I'm there. And this guy is one of the judges. <laughs> the guy yeah. that like was paying me no mind and no attention, right? So he's Ooh. seeing me come full circle from like me not, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of like a beginner learner. Like I know a few things here and there to like making my own rendition of a song, which I feel like shows like a different level of skill set because it's just like you're putting together like so many other musical components as opposed to just like learning a piece of music. And I ended up winning the competition, but I feel like he was very, uh, he was very shocked to see yeah, me. Yeah, you but... showed him for sure. Oh, you had your, <laughs> your pretty woman moment. You're a like huge mistake. Yeah. You missed out on this. Um, 100%, <laughs> I was like, you fucked up, you know what I'm saying? But it is what it is. Maybe you didn't fuck up. Maybe that's just how it was supposed to be. True, meant to be. You never know why things happen the way they do. Yeah. But... Very, very so. true. But it, it is a good reminder too, though, your guitar journey of like just the importance of yeah having music in schools, you know, like that. Oh, having cla- like class mm-hmm. at a young age can truly yeah. like change the course of your life. Facts. I almost did a high school program that was just for guitar, but I ended up doing another program that was more based in, I guess, academics or education. Mm. just because I felt like that was the way that kind of my, I felt kind of like a familial pressure, you know, being like also exceeding academically and like wanting to do well then, I feel like that kind of for a while made me put my musical passion secondary and even run from it a little bit. But it all kind of came full circle again when um, I was accepted to Pomona College um, out in Claremont. And I came all the way out to California. And then I was like, you know what? I don't want to be an investment maker. I think I actually want to do uh, music. So uh, let me uh, let me try to figure this out now. Well, thank God. I'm glad you ended up doing it. Could you imagine coming into work with your outfit as an investment banker? You're like, I'm just going to wear my cheer jacket and just do me in this department instead. God. Um, <laughs> that could be you. Uh, that could be you. And, uh, that would have been interesting. And I don't think I would have been employed very long. I like to sometimes, you know, shake the room a little bit with that kind of <laughs> moment. But yeah, we talk so much about how what's nice about like, you know, our, the younger generations is really kind of taking the risk. Like we don't want to play it safe anymore. We'll make a choice in a path and we'll kind of realize, wait, maybe actually I don't feel like being on this path. And we have like, honestly the drive and the balls to be like, nope, maybe we'll try something else because I'm not going to get stuck in the same lane that I see my parents that were in that were like, I need to provide, I need to stay there, you know, keep doing what I do and not pursue what I want. You're listening to Turn On The AC. We'll get right back into our conversation with the one and only Jordan Hawkins right after this break. Stay with us. At Pomona, you were in the music program there. I wasn't. So I actually, I I studied econ my entire time at Pomona. Wow. So you really were about to be an investment banker. Yeah. Like I I really was like my first, so my freshman year, I got an internship on Wall Street. So I was like working with a private investor in New York. He was taking me around, like introducing me to all his friends on Wall Street. Like I already had my internship for next year set up. I was going to be 
probably like working at BlackRock. <laughs> so like, which is like a, you know, a big investment firm, like super prominent. That's what I thought I wanted to do. And I remember like that summer while I was doing that, I, I bounced from New York back to North Carolina. I was working a job also like in a law firm, a job that I kind of worked as I returned home for summers. Cause I wasn't doing like internships at, after that point. Like I was just going home to work on music, you know, when I wasn't in LA for school. And so uh, a guy at this law firm who became my mentor, one thing that he told me that was really influential, he was like, well, what do you want to do? I could help you out a lot if you want to be a lawyer. And I was like, well, I don't really want to do any of that. I'm trying to be like a musician. And he's like, you know what? I respect that. He's like, the only person that gets to see your story all the way through is you. So, you know, how do you want that story to be told? Nobody else gets to see your story all the way through. You're the only person that gets to see that. So it's like, you don't live your life to make anyone else happy per se. And it's not necessarily selfish. Like there is a selflessness in, you know, wanting to do things in support of your family that I extremely respect. But in my mind, I was like, I could definitely support my family with this. If I can give it 110%, I can also create a story that like I'm proud of. That is the most inspirational mentor. That's some I'm good, speechless some for good once. Ass advice. <laughs> for once, I truly am like, damn. I mean, I'm sure, you know, looking at how you're doing now, you know, no regrets. It looks like you're giving it your 110%. And, you know, you stayed in LA and made that decision. So I'm sure it kind of helped cultivate your music community within LA. So do you feel like well, you found you found those people that you can like really collaborate with and who, you know, are your homies? Mm-hmm. So my two primary collaborators, you know, Charles Nutrivar and Starry, like they're both from the Bay as well. So when I was in college, before Starry moved down to LA, he worked in a studio in Oakland called 25th Street Studio. So it was, it's like probably like one of the nicest studios in Oakland It's like, was built by some rich tech dude. And it's just like a studio that we kind of had access to because he worked it. So we would go there after hours. Me and Charles Luchavar, whose real name is Jackson, we went to school together at Pomona. So we would drive up like to the Bay at times, like whether we had like a show up there, sometimes we play so far shows up there or just to go to the studio. So we would go spend time up there. And so because Ari worked at, you know, 25th Street, he knew like pretty much everyone, you know, kind of on the come up in the Oakland scene because they had come through the studio at some point. So I remember we were up there uh, one day and I think it was around the time that, you know, we were working on Thankful, probably like back in 20, I want to say like 2018. And that's when the first time I met and like we've stayed connected ever since. And I also met King Isis through Ari as well. And so actually like the first day that I met her, we actually have a song called Lost, which was like one of the first songs that I released before Heart Won't Stop. I think it was like the, maybe the third song I released. And we made like that the day after I like went with uh, Ari to see her perform in Oakland. And we just came back to the studio and made the song. I know a lot of people from up there and I feel like a lot of my community is kind of based around a a lot of Bay Area musicians. There are a lot of amazing musicians and a lot of them touch my projects, like other collaborators. And they're also doing other amazing things like keyboard player, pianist, 
composer named Benny Bach. He's from the Bay as well. He was actually just on the Weekend album, uh, but he also yeah. played on Risky and some other songs that are going to come out this year on my project. Another amazing musician, Jaden Wiggins. He's also super incredible bass player. He's in a band called Hello Yellow, who's based yeah. out of the Bay. I don't know. I if remember you've heard of him. King Isis telling us about. Yeah. Them. So I work with him a lot too. He played on Risky as well, as well as other songs that I have coming out this year. And I mean, they're all doing amazing things, you know, production-wise, artist-wise. So I feel like everyone's kind of growing together. I feel like I really have been able to, to build a community. I feel like, honestly, when, when I meet people and we mesh, like, we typically, like, just stay friends for, yeah. for the long haul. Yeah, the, I mean, the Bay LA connection is is so beautiful and harmonious because I do feel like a lot of Bay Area artists come down to LA. LA sometimes goes to the Bay. It's usually the other way around, but there's definitely something there creatively happening. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, famous artists, like even like Picasso, Van Gogh, like they were all hanging out, you know, talking, collaborating, like they all kind of lifted each other and eventually became part of like a giant art movement within the respective medium. No. It's definitely happening. It's blossoming. And it's, it's beautiful to see. Like, you guys just really made me think about that. I'm like, wow. Everyone's making amazing music, too. We did see, though, you had a quite a big living artist interaction a couple weeks ago on, uh, was it FaceTime? You were singing oh, this yes. track. Please explain to our Tell listeners. Okay, so <laughs> this is what happened. So since it dropped, I hate you. And I'm a huge fan of SZA. Yes. Huge fan of her work, you know, even before Control. But basically what we did was we, like, shot the, like, it was a FaceTime, and then we edited her in it. So it was like I was calling her, and it was just her on the FaceTime, right? So then when when I went to post it, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe she'll see it, because we kind of, like, did, like, a creative idea, right? So she sees the post and she comments on it and I'm like going crazy because I think the most views I had on reels at that time was like maybe like 15,000 and then she reposted it and it shot up to like 500,000. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh my god. The power of SZA. Yeah exactly the power of SZA. So then I'm thinking okay that's cool so I would like chop up the clips and repost multiple parts so the first when I posted the first part it was me singing and then I reposted the guitar solo and she reposted that one again and it shot up. And then she commented on it. And she was like, we should do a live session together. Yeah. Or she said, if you want to do a live session, just say that. So then I'm like, okay, I slid in the DMs. And so like, that's something that is currently in the works wow. to happen. So, so SZA fire. collaboration coming soon. Woo! Dude, that's huge. We are also yeah. big SZA fans. Yeah. And I feel like your voices would have a lovely... I think our voices would be amazing together. Mm-hmm. I'd like, Absolutely. I'm getting like hot. I'm like excited. This would be a good collab. Well, that's an exciting future project. And are there more coming out? Like what, what is Jordan Hawkins up to? What's in the future down the pipeline? So for me this year, right now, the, the great thing about quarantine, because I feel like this may seem like a huge undertaking, but I was able to create a whole bunch of music, right? And so me and my team kind of sat down and went through the records and we're like, 
honestly, a lot of these records are super fire. Like we could just drop, you know, another five, six song project this year, but why not like get this music out to the world if we can? So I'm dropping three EPs this year, which is, you know, I said Hard One Stop was like a bird's eye view, but these uh, EPs are a microscope into the, the Hard One Stop experience. So the first one is, you know, based in kind of like the phases of love as a spiritual journey in, you know, kind of like blossoming through that from lust to love to loss and to coming out of that. So kind of like the working concept we have right now is I'm kind of working off the angel number 444 mm. and the titles of each EP. The first one's going to be called Foreplay. The second one's going to be called For Love. And the third one's going to be called For Lust. For so Loco? Anywhere in there? For Loco. That's a bonus. That's a bonus. Yeah. Uh. yeah so that's kind of what's coming this year. And then I actually just got a text message. That's why my phone was being so much. Apparently, I'm going to Philadelphia this year to play Roots Picnic. So that's super exciting. That's uh, very exciting. Everything's kind of just, you know, coming as we continue to push and, and get everything together. But I think it should shake out to be a pretty uh, exciting, exciting year. Sounds like it. Well, we typically also kind of wrap up the interview with Pass the Torch, but I feel like you shouted out plenty of good artists in the middle of the interview. So yeah, I mean, are there any more artists that you kind of want to put on people's radar? Put on people's radar. Most definitely. Someone posted a snippet. She's an artist from Brazil. She's also like a guitarist, female uh, producer as well, uh, multi-instrumentalist. She's amazing. I think she's really cultivating something dope. Of course, I said Hello Yellow. This artist named uh, Peyton. I'm just going to shout out all the homies. Uh, got an artist <laughs> For sure. Up named uh, Laren Wong. Uh, he's also super amazing. Reggie Beckton, I don't know if you've heard of him. I feel like these are kind of like all artists coming up in the scene together right now. I think it's really special to see where we'll all be in you know, two to three years. Fabo is another amazing artist, R&B singer. There's a lot of great music out there right now, most definitely. So uh, much. It's overwhelming. <laughs> We're very excited for your your come up this year. Thank you. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Yes, thank pleasure. you. Thank you so much, Anna and Alex. I appreciate you having me. Until next time, hopefully I'll see y'all soon. You just heard our conversation with LA-based R&B rock star Jordan Hawkins. You can follow him on Instagram at I'm Jordan Hawkins and check him out on Spotify under his name. For more information about this podcast and our playlists, you can check us out at turnontheac.com or at turnontheac on Instagram. More to come, so stay tuned. Thanks for turning on the AC. Have a cool day.